Good morning. Welcome to Shepherd of the Lakes Lutheran Church for worship today. You might notice something a little bit different when you look at the front of church. Over in the corner we have uh, the cross for Lent with the color of Lent that is purple, but everything else up here is white. Today we're celebrating one of the minor festivals of the church year, what we call the Festival of the Annunciation. So when you think of the church year, we normally think of the five big festivals. You've got Christmas and Epiphany, um, Easter, Pentecost, and then Ascension. But then scattered throughout the rest of the year, we've got these minor festivals that celebrate particular events or people or circumstances. And today we'll hear about the announcement of the angel Gabriel to Mary that she would be carrying the Son of the Most High God. Our service is outlined for you in your service folder. Our opening hymn is actually printed for you there. And then we'll continue in the front part of your red hymnal on page 38. You'll notice that our opening hymn, uh, hymn number 274, is not from the red hymnal. It's actually from the old uh, blue Lutheran hymnal. So we'll follow the words as printed for you in your service folder. God bless your worship. We continue in the very front portion of your red hymnal on page 38. Please rise. Page 38. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. We have come into the presence of God, who created us to love and serve him as his dear children. But we have disobeyed him, and deserve only his wrath and punishment. Therefore, let us confess our sins to him, and plead for his mercy. Merciful Father in heaven, I am altogether sinful from birth. In countless ways I have sinned against you, and do not deserve to be called your child. But trusting in Jesus, my Savior, I pray. Have mercy on me, according to your unfailing love. Cleanse me from my sin, and take away my guilt. God, our Heavenly Father, has forgiven all your sins. By the perfect life and innocent death of our Lord Jesus Christ, he has removed your guilt forever. May God give you strength to live according to his will. Amen. 
In the peace of this forgiveness, let us praise the Lord. Let us pray. Eternal God, you sent your holy angel to announce to Mary the gracious incarnation of your Son, and awakened in your servant a simple faith to trust your word. Give us such faith, O Lord, and let us stand in awe at your miracles and majesty that we may find in the suffering, death, and resurrection of our Savior your declaration of peace and your promise of eternal life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. You may be seated for the reading of God's Word. first reading for the Festival of the Annunciation comes from Isaiah chapter 7, beginning in verse 10, the sign of the Messiah. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or the highest heights. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, hear now, you house of David. Is it not enough to try the patience of men? Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. We continue with our psalm for today, Psalm 148. This can be found in the very front portion of your red hymnal on page 121.
Our second lesson comes from Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 5. The Old Testament sacrifices were supposed to foreshadow the sacrifice of Christ, and Christ, our perfect sacrifice, has perfectly fulfilled God's law. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. Then I said, Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O God. First, he said, Sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings, you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, although the law required them to be made. Then he said, Here I am. I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second. And by that will we have been made holy, through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Our theme verse is printed for you there. The words of Mary from the Magnificat. The Mighty One has done great things for me. Thanks be to God. Please rise for the reading of our Gospel. Our Gospel leading from reading from Luke chapter 1. God sends Gabriel to announce the miraculous child. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give you the throne, give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. Then the angel left her. This is the Gospel of our Lord Jesus. You may be seated for our next hymn, number 24.
Dear fellow redeemed, we consider briefly our gospel lesson from Luke chapter 1. And as we sit here in church, in the middle of that valley we call Lent, perhaps it struck you, why are we singing an Advent hymn? Why indeed? After all, it's quite some time until Christmas, nine months from yesterday to be exact. Which might begin to clue you in as to why exactly today we celebrate the festival of the Annunciation. That is, this, this minor event, on the calendar at least, of the angel Gabriel announcing to Mary that she would be with child without any assistance or influence whatsoever by a human father. And so we consider this in this reading from Luke chapter 1, in the middle of Lent, and I'd like to start with the question, when do you think Satan knew it was over? When do you think the devil knew that the gig was up, that he had lost? Now the perceptive Christian might say, well, Pastor Hagen, I'm not so sure he knows yet. Pastor Hagen, Christians around the world are being persecuted. False doctrine seems to be rotting the church from within and leaving Christians exposed to the false teachers and the wolves that come along for those straying sheep. So maybe maybe the devil won't know it's done and over until Judgment Day when Jesus returns and the clouds of heaven with the trumpet call of God and the dead in Christ are raised first and then finally when we are all gathered together with the Lord as we go to heaven together in the clouds, body and soul, maybe then Satan, that most notorious inmate of hell, will finally shake his head and realize that he lost. Or maybe just rewind a little bit What about Pentecost? After all that he had tried there at Pentecost, Father and Son send the Holy Spirit and give a kickstart to God's church. And in one day, over 2,000 were baptized. The number of believers just exploded in that opening couple of months from a group of 120 swelling to thousands. Maybe that's when He should have known it was over. Or perhaps, perhaps ten days previously, as Jesus' feet left the Mount of Olives and the grass started to stand back up, there, then, Satan knew that he couldn't keep Jesus here, that he could could not conquer him, could not beat him, that the Jesus had been raised from the dead. And then you'd say, well, what about Easter? When Jesus walked out of that tomb, that's when Satan knew that he had lost or shortly before he left the tomb, when he descended into hell, when his body and soul rejoined, and Jesus was alive, and Jesus had his victory prayed through the streets of hell, then, (laughs) then, Satan should have known. Dear Christian, when? Maybe it was Good Friday, when Jesus cried out, It is finished. Or maybe during Jesus' ministry, as he drove out demons left and right, and they ran away screaming, I know who you are, the Son of God. Maybe, Maybe shortly after Christmas, when Joseph and Mary got out of Bethlehem and narrowly avoided murderous King Herod. When did Satan know? Perhaps it was Christmas itself when the angels announced in in marvelous song to the shepherds, born to you this day is a Savior, his name, Christ the Lord. When did Satan know? Well, he, he should have known. Here. Luke chapter 1. The angel Gabriel comes to Mary and says that the power of the Most High will overshadow you and the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Because that sort of a miracle wasn't supposed to happen. How could the, the finite womb of a 14-year-old girl 
contain the infinite God in whom all things hold together? How could holy God dwell and live with his people? Because, you know, back at the very beginning of time, God kicked his people out of the garden and said, no way, I do not want you coming back in here, really, to keep them from eating from that tree of life. Because the only thing worse than death is life forever in a sinful world. And Mary, and Joseph, and Adam and Eve, and you and I, we look at our history together, and we know that this account here in Luke chapter 1 is beyond miraculous, that it probably should not have happened that way, that it goes beyond belief, nearly. Because Adam and Eve had a little baby. You know, God had promised, from your children, from the seed of the woman who will crush the serpent's head. And Adam and Eve had a little baby. His name was Cain. And Eve rejoiced that day. She said, hey, we've got a champion. Fast forward a couple of years. Cain and Abel, I guess Cain wasn't the one. And ever since, ever since that fateful day at the tree, it seemed that Satan had an unbroken string of victories. An unbroken string of victories of of people who turned away from God, people who fell into sin, people who did the sort of things that God didn't like. And yet... God kept his promises in the most unmighty of ways. Through those sinful people, God preserved his promise. Even when the whole world seemed to absolutely explode and devolve into sinfulness, God preserved a little group of eight in a big boat. And then God made the most unmighty of promises to a 75-year-old man and his 65-year-old wife that they would have a son. And that promise wouldn't be fulfilled for another 25 years. And it seems that Satan would have won, except that son Isaac was born. And following the Old Testament history, you know and you recognize that at every point, God kept his people clinging to his word holding to his promise, even as Satan tried to stamp out God's church, enslave them in Egypt. And God says, here, walk through the Red Sea. Satan leads them astray at the golden calf. And God says, here, I will cleanse my people. The people rebel and and talk back to God. Lord, why did you bring us here? We're going to die in the desert. We're going to starve to death. God sent snakes to wake them up and pointed to a snake on a pole for salvation from that death. Time and again, as Satan opposed God's church, he seemed to keep on winning. God had narrowed his promise all the way down to the family line of David, and that descendant was down to one. One little baby living during the time of the most wicked queen that ever was, Athaliah. And if that one infant child had been killed or had simply choked on his cereal that morning, then God's promise would have fallen to the ground absolutely broken. Because God had limited his promise to the family line of David. And if that family line was gone then the promise would be done. And yet, God kept his promise. God told his people, trust me, listen to me, follow me. The Savior is coming. The Messiah is coming. He made the most preposterous of promises. The virgin will be with child and give birth to a son. And you will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And that day... Shortly after the announcement of Gabriel, so we assume, that day, God's promise came true. The impossible was accomplished. 
infinite in the tiniest little speck of finite. Think about it. The most impossible promise of God that this virgin would be with child and give birth to a son. And there he is, wriggling and turning and twisting for nine months. God, who needs absolutely nothing, in whom all the universe holds together, now needs to be connected to his mother and receive his nourishment from her. And it's not that the Son of God didn't know what he was getting into, so to speak. He had designed the body, and for nine months, he lived in that body, the body of Mary. How did it happen? How could holy God dwell with sinful people? Well, there's the miracle. God doesn't tell us so much the how, but that he did. That Jesus is the the one who shares the human flesh of you and me, the actual Son of Mary, at the same time as the actual Son of God, in the flesh. That's the word incarnate. See the word C-A-R-N, carn, word for flesh. God incarnate. Now Jesus knew what he was getting into. He knew that he would need to have his diaper changed and he'd need to be fed. He'd need to go through puberty and all the changes there. He'd need to go through life in a sinful world. All so that God could keep his most impossible of promises. That the Son of God would be the sacrifice for you and for me. And there, Satan should have known that it was over. But when you think about it, the incarnation was not an internship. It wasn't just like Jesus walking a mile in your shoes. The Son of God now shares your humanity, your human flesh, even right now, in his glorified body for all eternity where God's redemption of you is so absolutely complete, not just that he he knows what you're going through, but he exactly lived the life that you and I have, except without sin, and that he has still today hands and feet marked with the, the wounds of the nail, that even that third day after Good Friday, his body and soul came back together as he was raised to life as the promise that you also will be raised to life, that your forgiveness is complete. So what does all that mean? The potter becomes the clay. The artist joins the canvas. So what? Right there is the promise that God has won that Christ has conquered the devil, that the Son of God now shares our humanity. And yes, that the Son of God, who was conceived without any stain of original sin, not because Mary was sinless, because she most certainly was not, she confessed in her song, I rejoice in God, my Savior, confessing that yes, she was a sinner also. But the Son of God, has sanctified you so completely from the very moment your life began within your own mother all the way through your grave and the open door that that broken gravestone will be at the end of time. That the life we lost in Eden and the battle that we so often seem to lose every day, the battle against sin and temptation, that that has been completely restored in Jesus Christ. Because he shares your humanity. Yeah, you could shake his hand when you get to heaven. You could give him a hug. <laughs> and when we see his, his body in the days after Easter there, that's probably a good glimpse of what our lives will be like. Totally restored. Totally restored fellowship with God totally restored body, no need, no worry, no death, no pain, none of that. And it all goes back to right here.
the most impossible fulfillment of the most preposterous of promises, the most unmighty appearance of God Almighty himself, there in the womb of the Virgin Mary, the most miraculous of events, the day that Satan should have known that he had lost, the most miraculous miracle that ever was, totally unseen by the human eye. And that's how God still continues to work. You see, even though Satan has lost, and he should have known that he had lost, he's totally unable to repent, and there is no chance whatsoever of him actually admitting defeat, because he will always and forever rage against God and against the Christians who follow him. That's you and that's me. But the festival of the Annunciation, when Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, chose to live in time and grow and be in need and go through absolutely everything that the human life has ever experienced, there, God promised that Jesus is one and that through his most unmighty of appearances even today, in word and in sacrament, that victory is yours. You see, the greatest miracles that God had promised from the beginning of time until the end are the miracles that are mostly unseen. Whether it was the the promise to Adam and Eve that eventually they'd have a descendant. Well, they never saw that descendant face to face. Whether it was the miracle of Noah building a boat in the middle of a forest, perhaps. The most miraculous of events, God telling him to do this, and Noah doing it, looked like the most preposterous and unmighty event. And yet, God rescued his people. Abraham and Sarah, being told, after they'd been pulling Social Security for ten years, being told that they would have a little baby, seemed the most preposterous and unmighty. And yet God did it. That little baby under Queen Athaliah, the most preposterous and unmighty, (laughs) if God were really interested in keeping his promises, you would have said, then why is there only one? (laughs) Whatever happened to an heir and a spare? But God kept his promise. And still today, God keeps his promise of forgiveness. The forgiveness won for you when that little boy grew and lived and died and rose and ascended. That forgiveness is guaranteed to you through the word of God. And so today, the most unmighty appearances of God in word, hidden in sacrament, those most unmighty appearances of God still bring about the same sort of miracle, the forgiveness of sins, where now God comes to dwell among his people again, in word, in sacrament, within you. When God created faith, it's like he just swept out a room in your heart where the Holy Spirit would come to dwell within you as his temple. When he had baptized you, He baptized you into the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The promise that you have won already. That when Satan says jump, you don't have to say how high. You can say, get behind me, get away from me. Jesus has won. You can say, when you hear the word of God, I know these promises are true. Even and especially when it looks like they have fallen to the ground absolutely broken. My God has said so. And so... I will simply wait and see. And when God the Son appears to us with body and blood together in with and under the bread and the wine, the promise is reaffirmed. Where the Son of God and Son of Mary, conceived by the Holy Spirit's power within the Virgin Mary, he had died on the cross and risen from the dead, and he says to you, Dear Christian, Your sin is forgiven. If there was ever any doubt, 
God comes to dwell with you again there. The forgiveness, the body that was broken, the the blood that was shed, now covers you. Your forgiveness given to you once more. Looked like the most unmighty of circumstances. Whether two people trying to cover themselves with fig leaves at a tree, a 65-year-old woman and her 75-year-old husband who had to wait 25 more years before they had a baby, a family living on a boat, a little child <laughs> as the, the only heir of the house of David, a girl who was pledged to be married, according to Jewish custom, most likely around the age of 14 or 15. But there, the most incredible promises of God are fulfilled. And they're hidden. We don't see them. But the promise has been fulfilled. Jesus has won. There, Luke chapter 1, Satan should have known. Oh well. (laughs) He'll see one day. And still today, you and I know that Jesus has won because we hear it proclaimed from the Word of God. We hear it preached to us in the sacrament because God has fulfilled the most impossible of promises. Not only did he come to dwell with his people, he promises to you and to me that he will continue to do so in word and sacrament until he takes us to dwell with him forever. Happy Festival of the Annunciation, that announcement of Gabriel that signaled life to you and me and death to death and sin and Satan itself. Jesus has won, even in that earliest of appearances. Amen. Please rise. And now may the peace of God that goes beyond all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. I invite you to turn to our Confession of Faith, the Apostles' Creed, as found on page 41 in the front part of your red hymnal. The Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated as we worship the Lord with our offering.
We continue with the response of prayers printed on page 6 in your worship folder. Please rise. We pray. Eternal Christ, the ruler of all ages, you are without beginning or end. Eternal Son of God, you are God whom no one has seen or can see. O Eternal Christ, the All-Powerful, you hold the mountains in the palm of your hand. O Eternal Christ, the Eternal Glory, countless angels endlessly praise you. O eternal Christ, the universal provider, the eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food at the proper time. O eternal Christ, the infinite, heaven and earth cannot contain you. O eternal Christ, the perfect joy, you are the source of the happiness of heaven and earth. O eternal Christ, the eternal word, you are the light of all created intelligence. And Lord God, giver of life, health, safety, and strength, we praise you for having granted your servant Jared Ultrambrun's recovery from his emergency appendectomy. May he daily remember your great goodness, that he may serve you with a life reflecting genuine thankfulness for all your blessings through Christ our Lord. And we also ask your blessing this week upon little Essence Leech as she undergoes um, surgery as well. And Lord God, Lord of life and death, we thank you for all the mercies with which you blessed our fellow believer Ellen Sauter, now fallen asleep. We thank you for especially having brought her to the knowledge of your son, Jesus Christ. We pray that you would comfort her family and all who mourn her death. Comfort them with your precious promises and cheer them with the sure hope of a blessed reunion in heaven. Grant the lifeless body rest. And at last, together with us all, a joyful resurrection to life everlasting. Teach us to number our days aright, that we may gain hearts of wisdom and finally be saved through Christ our Lord. Amen. We now bring to you our private petitions. All this we ask through Christ our Lord, who also taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated for our next hymn, number 278.
please rise for prayer. Almighty God, we thank you for teaching us the things you want us to believe and do. Help us by your Holy Spirit to keep your word in pure hearts, that we may be strengthened in faith, guided in holiness, and comforted in life and in death. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Brothers and sisters, go in peace, live in harmony with one another, and serve the Lord with gladness. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with his favor and give you his peace. You may be seated for our closing hymn. Good morning once again. Special welcome to the guests worshiping with us today. The one announcement to highlight is the Family Fun Fair this Friday. Well, the first announcement, I suppose. Um, setup is between 3.45 and 4.15. There's a sign-up at the back if you are able to help or would like to help. Um, I think I put a sign-up back there also for some Shepherd of the Lakes t-shirts. Um, I didn't check to see if it was there this morning. We'll be putting in an order um, with DNS trophies here in town and getting the first order completed in early May. Um, so if it's not there, I'll get a new one back there. And I think Roman had a few words for our congregational update um, as we have our quarterly voters meeting next Sunday. 